So we're doing a series on identity, and I'm loving it. I'm enjoying talking about the gospel all over again. Yet another excuse to talk about the gospel and the amazing work that Jesus has done in our lives. Who was I? Who am I? Who can I be? And we're doing this series at the moment. Look, the slide works this week. So let me just show you the series. This is something of where we're going. If you'd like to put the next slide up, please. So we've done In Christ, week one. Today, week two, recreated. And then you can see the delights of what's coming up. We're going to be talking about sonship, royalty, heavenly citizens, ambassadors. This is what God has done through Jesus Christ. He's made us into these new people uh, with these incredible privileges. But I've got to say, I have been struggling so much to fit each of these talks into just one week, and I'm doing my absolute best. But we'll see how we get on this week, talking about being recreated people, because I might only get halfway through, and then we'll come back to it next week. But I just want us to be open to the Spirit and what God wants us to do in these talks. So last week, as I was saying, we were looking at what it meant to be in Christ. And that's kind of the main theme of the first chapter of Ephesians. This week, I want to take that teaching just a step further, because of course, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. So in Christ, but if anyone is in Christ, is there anybody in Christ? The old has gone, the new has come. I'm a new creation today. I'm going to talk about what it means to be in Christ, but a new person with a new identity. I mean, have you ever noticed how much a person's identity affects how they live or behave or even how they are treated. How you feel about yourself affects so much of how you live and what you do. Uh, one of the programs that we as a family really like to watch is uh, a, a program called Undercover Boss. Have you seen that program, The Undercover Boss? And we particularly like the American version because they just get so emotional and so into it. You know, they just go for it, don't they? We love that series. And uh, the idea is, if you haven't seen it, that a senior executive, usually the CEO of a company, goes undercover for a week in their company to get an inside view of what really goes on. And sometimes it's quite hilarious, some of the things that they people get caught out doing. Uh, but to do this, they have to do their utmost not to be discovered. They have to wear some kind of disguise. They have to change the way that they behave. I watched one recently where the guy had a really distinctive voice. And so in order to go in disguise, he had to use a really different voice, and he wasn't an actor. Uh, so the results were hilarious. He sounded like he had laryngitis, and he had to keep repeating everything because nobody could understand what he was saying. But he was so distinctive in his boss identity that within the first person, he was discovered, he was found out. Uh, but, you know, I find it just such a fascinating process to watch the change that occurs as the boss steps down from the boardroom, puts on a wig and some makeup, a set of overalls, and adopts a completely different demeanor. Will it work? That's the question that you're always on. Will it work? Will they spot him? Will they realize? Will he be discovered? You see, sometimes... A person's true identity is so distinctive that they are spotted almost immediately. But often it's because the boss can't resist taking charge 
or asking a few too many searching questions and then suddenly they clock it. Hold on a minute, what's going on here? But we have been more than disguised. (laughs) You see, in Christ we have been recreated and because of this we must live differently. But for many of us, we're uncertain of this new identity and we wear it like an uncomfortable disguise, fearful that one day we'll be caught out, the wig will slip, and everybody will know and see who we really are. Have you ever had that thought? Have you ever felt like that? Not really trusting in the work that Jesus has done. I really am a new person. One day it's going to come up to bite me. But to be in Christ means a significant change of identity. It really does mean a new person. We really are live, uh, recreated to live differently. So let's look at that, shall we? We're going to kind of stay in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, but we're going to go around a few other passages as well. But starting off in Ephesians chapter 4. Let's just read verses 17 to 19, because what Paul starts off by reminding us in this section is that we once lived as the Gentiles. Now, the Gentiles is a kind of a coverall uh, word for us to understand that we once lived as people who are without Christ. Okay, so here we go, chapter 4, verses 17 to 19. So Paul writes this, he says, I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. So that pretty bleak picture, which we kind of looked at a bit last week, but it's a description of who we are without Christ. That's what we like. And many of us, as we read down uh, that list and other lists like that, will recognize ourselves in some of those things. We'll have to put our hand up and say, yeah, that's the way I was. Well, you know, that's, that's what I'm aware of in my life. That's some of the stuff I'm still trying to, trying to deal with. There's some things from our past. There's some things that we did. There are things that we've thought and our mind patterns are still not right. The things that we've said. There's attitudes to life and the world around us that still are familiar to us and we see it all around us. But whatever it was for you and whatever came to your mind as we were talking about that, Paul says you mustn't live like that any longer. You mustn't live that way. You you are recreated now and you must live differently. And this isn't just a command. It's a statement of fact. Because actually what he's saying is you can't live like that any longer. You can't go and do the same thing that you always do, always did, because something fundamentally has changed in you, because you're no longer that person who was without Christ. Your identity, your personhood, who you are, has changed. And you know, to be without Christ is a desperate position. To be without Christ... To be without 
Christ without a relationship with God, far from him. It's a desperate place. It means to be separated from the life of God. That was one of the phrases that Paul just used there, separated from the life of God. It's a dark place. It's a place where the depravity of the human condition is able to thrive. And it's because of this, because of this state of being without Christ, that we needed to be recreated. We needed to start all over again, because in that place, we were dead. We were dead. So Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. And ever since Adam and Eve sinned, everyone that has ever lived has been born physically alive but spiritually dead. Physically alive but spiritually dead. Dead in all kinds of ways. So dead, first of all, in that we are incapable of doing right or living right. I mean, that's a massive phrase that needs unpacking, but I've not got time to do that today. I'm just going to give you some headlines. It means incapable of doing right, living right. We're naturally drawn to darkness and sin. So John 3.19 says that light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. That's why the world is in such a mess. Naturally drawn to darkness and sin. Not even a desire for what is right, but only how to satisfy my lust, my sin. Looking for ways to do that. Creating new ways of doing it. I've only got to look on the internet for five minutes to find some of those things. Secondly, to be dead in that we are incapable of responding to God. Can you imagine being incapable of responding to God? So 1 Corinthians 3, 4 says that the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so they can't see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. What a desperate place. I mean, have you ever tried to talk to somebody who just cannot see it? The hardness, the difficulty of that, they just can't understand the gospel and how important it is and how much they need Jesus. You know, maybe there are some people that in your workplace or in your, in your family that are in that position. They just cannot see it. They don't understand why you're a Christian. Why don't you just go out and do such and such? Just don't get it. The God of this world has blinded their minds and we need to pray for them that God would open their eyes. But it's a problem of the heart. See, this death is found right in the core of all that we are. So Jeremiah 17.9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. And biblically, the heart is the center of all that we are, who we are in the inner man. It's the place from which all motivation, emotion, and purpose spring. That's spiritually, but it makes sense physically as well. If there's a problem with your heart, you've got a big problem with the rest of your body, potentially. If your heart dies, the rest of you dies as well. Yeah? And so we need a new heart, and Ezekiel goes on to prophesy about our 
recreation through Christ. In Ezekiel 36, 26, he says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone that was dead, and I will give you a heart of flesh that is alive. And God says, I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep all my laws. What an amazing promise from God. I'm going to give you a new heart. You're going to have a new disposition. You're going to start to love the law of God. You're going to start to want to go that way because of what he's done in your heart. And this is what Jesus has done for us. He gives us a new heart that enables us to live again, but not in the same way. We don't live in the same way. This new heart has a completely new disposition to life. It's not hard and resistant. It's soft and responsive. It's moved differently. So previously, sin, that's what it wanted. That's what it searched out. That was the desire, but now it's the righteousness of God. Something has changed, the disposition of the heart. And this is where our new identity comes from. This new person who's been born again with a new nature, so different from that of the old. This is our new identity. It starts right there in the heart. We have been recreated. We have been recreated. You see, a new heart or new birth means a totally changed life. It brings noticeable, it brings provable results. Other than the fact that we're now able to believe in Christ, there are other changes that take place in us that are proof of a new heart. And I just want you to listen to this. Because if you've truly been recreated, you'll tick these boxes as we go down, okay? So number one, our desires are different. You know, in the past... We were always trying to satisfy sinful desires, but now we want to pray and spend time with God. We desire the things of God. We want to be pure and holy. Sin is is not as attractive to us as it used to be. We've got, not got the same appetite for it. In fact, we actually hate it. You know, that feeling when I've sinned and you know it, <laughs> it didn't used to be there, you know. It didn't. And you know, we've got kind of familiar with it. I feel bad when I sin. It's not just a kind of legalistic thing. It's a work that God has done in your heart. Something's changed. Our desires are different and we want to change. Secondly, we want to change. We want to be like Jesus. You know, the standard is lifted instinctively. We know that because of what God has done, there are new possibilities. One of the reasons we feel bad when we sin is because we know that we can live differently. But for some reason, we didn't on that occasion. But we know instinctively, look, I don't need to be that way anymore. There's a change taking place in my heart. We want change. We're not satisfied anymore with the way that we are. We have an awakened conscience. Can I just say, feel free to agree at any point and even get a little excited, it's okay. Because I don't want to be the only one that's excited up here on my own, you see. It's, it's just a bit weird when that happens. Uh, but we have a 
renewed conscience. <laughs> it's awakened. We, we can't get away with things like we used to. Anybody? You know, my conscience is more sensitive than it used to be. I used to be able to do that, but now I can't. I just, you know, that little thing, that little sin. And the more you go on with God, it seems, the less you're able to do like that. Because actually, more and more, you want to do what's right and good. I can't get away with taking paper clips anymore from the office. <laughs> or using stamps. You know, that was one of the things I found at work. You know, it was one of the benefits. You could use the stamp machine anytime you wanted. I couldn't do it. I thought, this is ridiculous. I had to pay for the blimmin' stamp. I'd be so much richer if I wasn't a Christian, you know? The attitude to the church changes. You know? You, you have a love for God's people, and what a funny bunch we are. We do, we just have a love for God's people. It's, it's a work of the Spirit. It must be. <laughs> we, you know, we want to be there when stuff's happening. We want to be part of this. I want to be at the meetings. It's not an obligation, another rule book that I follow. There's something in my heart that says, I don't like not being there. You know, when you go on a holiday, you can wind up the rest of your family by saying, I want to be with the church. It's Sunday. <laughs> There's a hatred of injustice. You know, I, I found that it seems that more and more as as I go on with God and walk this journey, there's a greater concern for the lost, the broken, the destitute. I've got a greater compassion than I used to have. Anybody? Has God been doing something in your heart about compassion? Do you know I've spoken to a number of people in the church recently and God's just been doing stuff in them in this whole area of compassion. It's a work of the Spirit. Now, other people will notice that you're different. Has anybody noticed the, the change in you recently? This last year. People will notice it. Has uh, only one hand gone up? That's concerning. <laughs> Has anybody noticed the difference in you this year? They should do, because we're being worked on by the Holy Spirit. Other things may accompany this new birth experience, miraculous experience. A friend of mine called Kev, when he got born again, he instantly stopped swearing, but it took him a while to give up smoking. Uh, uh, but my friend, my brother-in-law, Trev, when he got saved, he lost his taste for cigarettes immediately, but he struggled to give up swearing. And every now and again, it still slips out, you know. But there's something that's changed, something miraculous. I'm not the person that I used to be. I've been born again. Is that you? You know, is that your experience? Is that what, is that what God has done in your life? It's what it means to be born again. You have been recreated. And if you haven't been, you can be. You can be born again. You know, one of the way, one of the clear things that we've got to come to to be born again is to see that old life clearly and say, that stinks. That's death. And I don't want anything to do with that anymore. I need to repent of that. I need to turn away from it. Lord, I need life. 
I need something new. I need that change to take place inside of me. I want that. I'd love to pray with you or talk to you afterwards. If you're in that place at the moment, you just know that there's there's some old stuff. I need to deal with that. I need that new stuff of the newborn life. But if you have been born again, and I think, you know, many of us can be certain about that today. It's wonderful, isn't it? If you have been born again you'll know within a very short period of time that uh, it doesn't mean that every aspect of my life is now automatically new. Anybody? You know, it, it's not just all happened yet. There's still some work to be done. There's an ongoing work, a process of renewing. Yeah, even some of the older people here who've been around for a long time is still need God to work in our lives. But we have been recreated. Something has changed. There's a there's an amazing work that's begun in my heart. The main battle has been won. I've got a new heart. I've got new desires. I've got new direction. Yeah? I've been born again, but there's still some things. There's still some things. We need to be continually recreated. We need to continue to be recreated. So the passage goes on. Chapter 4, verse 20 to 25. Let me just read that to you. Paul says, you did not come to know Christ that way. He's talking about all the bad stuff of the old life. He says, you know that you don't need to be that way anymore because you've been born again. Surely, 21, you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Can I have a way? <laughs> and we haven't got time to unpack all of this. There's so much in there. But essentially, what we learn from this passage is that involved in this process of renewing is ongoing teaching and learning. <laughs> yeah, there's still some stuff that we need to get hold of. And ongoing decisions to put off the old <laughs> and put on the new. Okay, ongoing teaching and learning. You know, there's so much to be learned about this new identity. So it's no surprise that if you've been a Christian for 40 years, you still haven't got it all sorted. We've still got things that we need to work through. And we're going to need to learn about it and we need to be reminded of it because this new identity is so dramatically different from our old one that it's going to take some time for my mind to catch up with the reality of what Jesus has done. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some revelation from God and work by the Holy Spirit. In this new identity, see, there is a new way of life. Verse 20 talks about a new way of life. What is that life? It's a life that we've heard and learned about in Jesus. Verse 21. 
It's a new life, and it's like the life that Jesus lived. Now, there's a million miles from my life there. (laughs) We're to be like him. That's what this new identity is all about, to make us like him. To do the works of Christ, to grow the attitudes of Christ, to develop the character of Christ. So when Paul says, I tell you, and insist on it, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, and then he comes up with this list of things. This isn't so much a, this isn't a, a list of rules, but it's an instruction manual for our new identity in Christ. We don't quite know how this new thing works yet. We've got a lot of learning to do. Look, this is how it works. This is what it means to be like Jesus. And do you know it happens not from external rules, a list that we put on the wall and we work through and fail every day. It works from the inside out. God does something in my heart, first of all, and then it starts to permeate through the rest of my being as God, by the Holy Spirit, works within me. The Spirit works in our hearts. He does it. He started it, and he's going to finish it. He works in our hearts, convicting, convincing, and conforming us into this wonderful new identity, which is like Jesus. Wow! (laughs) Do you know our new self, it's found completely in Jesus. He's our example. He's our focus. He's what we're aiming to be like. Not by some arrogance, but by a work of the Spirit. My desire is that way. I don't want to be like I used to be. I don't want to. Something's changed. I think that's staggering. It's staggering. Do you know, we were seeing last week... We are already in Christ. (laughs) We're already in him. Now we're learning to be like him. We're getting at home in him. (laughs) We're in him. We're living in Christ. And now we're getting to put him on and learn how to live and walk and breathe and have our being in him. So we must consciously do that. We must consciously seek to put him on. And so it's this teaching. Look, guys, don't get tired of teaching. We need to be taught. We need the gospel over and over again to work in our hearts. It's this teaching and it's this grounding in knowing about the identity of Jesus that then instructs us what we need to put off and what we need to put on. If we weren't taught, if we didn't learn, if we didn't have the Spirit working in our hearts, we wouldn't be able to do the next bit what we put off, and what we put on. Just look with me, just carefully for a minute, again at this passage, to see exactly what it is that Paul tells us to put off and to put on. Let's just read those verses again. Verse 22. 22 to 25. He says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, 
and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So what are we to put off? Our old self. What are we to put on? Our new self. Our old self has to be put off. Our new self has to be put on. And our, you see, our tendency is not to talk about ourselves, but to talk about things. We talk about putting off sins. We talk about putting off behavior. Both good ones and bad ones. We, we talk about the things that we put on and we put off. And it's not always the bad ones. Sometimes it's the good things too. He says, I want you to put off. But Paul isn't talking about things. He's not telling us to focus on those outcomes. He's saying they will happen. (laughs) He's not talking about things. He's talking rather about a person that we're to put off or to put on, who comes, that person comes with accompanying attributes either of sin or of righteousness. A person of sin or a person who's like Jesus and is righteous. And this is really important. There is an old self and there is a new self. There's one which we must put off And there's one that we must put on. One that has the attributes of our old lives and one who is created to be like God in righteousness and holiness. Which one am I putting on? (laughs) Which one am I putting off? And so when Paul says that we have to put off our old self, he's not just talking about our sin and the things that we've done, but the person who did those things. Put him off. We put him off. Why? Because he's death to me. He's death to me. And he's dead to me too. Because Galatians 5.24 says that those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the old man. (laughs) The sinful nature with its passions and desires. He's death to me. He's dead to me in Christ. It's already been done. Jesus did it for us. He did it for us when he died on the cross. We don't do it ourselves and we can't do it ourselves. We couldn't have done it in ourselves. How can a dead man do anything? Jesus was alive and he died and he rose again. Only he was able to deal with the old man of sin. And this is where the old has gone when we put him off. Not just our sin, but the person who did those things. He was crucified. Past tense, historical fact. And this isn't dependent on uh, experience. There is an experience to be had out of it. But actually, it's our position if we belong to Christ. It's our position. Follow me in this. It's our position because you are no longer the person who did those things. That person doesn't exist anymore. You're no longer the person who went to those places and said those things. The person and all that went with him is now dead. It is finished, Jesus said when he died. It is finished. I'm finished with him. 
And guys, we come to this place, not now by gritting our teeth and supreme human effort. So right, now I know what I've got to do. I've got to put him off. He's dead. You're dead. You're dead. You're dead. (laughs) We don't have to come to the place in that way, just in the same way that Jesus did it for us. We come to that place by faith. We simply have to believe it. He's dead, and I'm dead to him, because I'm new, and I'm in Christ. Do you see? It's not... Lost my place. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is now our position. This is now our position. And we come to it by faith. But it's not always our condition, is it? It's not always our condition or experience. It's our condition, but it's not always... Sorry, it's our position, but it's not always our condition. Bear with me. It will all become clear. See, for some of us, it's like the old man, although he's dead, he haunts me. Do you know what I mean? He keeps trying to come back up. It's just like one of those horror movies. And he comes and gets you in the middle of the night, you know? That dark place, it just comes and he comes out at you. Um, But it's about our position, not our condition. See, living by faith means lining up our lives with the truth of our position and not being preoccupied about our condition. There are still some things that need to be done in my life. Ask my wife. Ask my kids. But that's not my position. But there's some things in my condition that Jesus still needs to do. Our condition is God's responsibility and preoccupation, not mine. And you say, well, what about my condition? Doesn't that matter? Yes, of course, it matters. But it's not my responsibility and preoccupation. It's his Because if we get clear on our position of who I am now in Christ, he will take care of my condition. It's getting that emphasis right. But so many of us just... I was just saying that many of us are totally preoccupied with our condition. How am I doing with God? Anybody? And you know if you are, I can't get this on. You know if you are preoccupied with your condition because you become very self-centered in your own spirituality. Uh, yeah, I just put my hand up because I know about that. You know, have you ever had that experience where you spent all your time praying about yourself? Ah. Lord, I'm such a mess. 
Lord, I failed yet again. I don't know how you put up with me. Forgive me for my sin again. I've done it. Well, I go on. And sometimes the Lord just seems to say, oh, for goodness sake, will you shut up? Or is that just me? <laughs> but, you know, how much do we pray about ourselves, agonize over our sins and our failings, and all that seems to make up your times with God is self-examination and self-introspection. Preoccupied with my condition, I'm still not making progress, Lord. Bill Johnson, in typical pithy form, wrote this once. He said, after many years of trying to do what only he could do, I discovered I was not the Holy Spirit. (laughs) I cannot convict and deliver myself of sin. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. I can't do it. I can't do anything about my condition but I can do something about my position. I say, Lord, I am a new creation, and the old is gone and the new has come, and that's where I'm staying. You look after everything else, because I can't do a thing about it. And do you know what I found? God's really good at the job. When you allow the Holy Spirit just to work in you, just come along one day gently and say, look, Rob, I'm not happy about that. Don't do it anymore. Okay, Lord, I won't. And you can't, and you won't. This is grace. He just releases grace in you. And suddenly, the thing that you've been struggling with and battling with, you don't need to do anymore. I've put on Christ. (laughs) Because that's what Jesus would be like. Look, the most powerful thing that you can do when you're tempted isn't to consider the sin, but the person that you are. The new me does not do that kind of thing. That's what the old me used to do. The old me was a t- completely, uh, v- a complete victim in that situation. But the new me isn't. In Christ, I'm not. I'm victorious. The temptation is always about identity, not just about sin. Think about it. Sin has been dealt with. We've been forgiven. And we can be restored at any time. Do you know, all the sins that you will ever commit for the rest of your life have already been forgiven. So why worry about it so much? Why agonize over it so much? It doesn't mean that we then go sinning all the time deliberately, because you can't. God's done something in your life. You don't want to do those things anymore, remember. We are righteous in Christ and there's no condemnation. Undermining our identity, making us think that we are dirty, angry, greedy, inadequate, rubbish, ugly, any others, you know, failure, making you think all those things. That's what really takes us out. Because when I sin, I'm being less than I am in my new identity. Focusing on condition and not position is what brings us down. When we focus on our position, our condition 
looks after itself. Because my eyes are full of Jesus, and what you look at is what you become, and what you go after is what you are. And then the rest of Ephesians 4 comes into play. You know, I'm not going to read it to you now, but if you just read the rest of that, you must put off falsehood, speaking, tr- speak truthfully to his neighbor. Don't be angry, but don't sin. All these other things, when you're in that position in Christ, all those other things just become logical outworkings of who I am in Christ now. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Are you a new creation? Have you been born again? How's that dramatic change taken place in your life? How is it going? Where are you with that at the moment? Stand on it, because this is the offer that Jesus makes to us all. Repent and believe, and you can receive a completely new identity. Stand in it. Stand in what Jesus has done for you. But this is just the start. The Holy Spirit's working in us to make us like Jesus. We are being continually recreated. He's working on our minds. He's working on our lives. But he's responsible for my condition. I need to know my position. I love on Undercover Boss the unveiling at the end of the program. I love the reaction and the employee's eyes, you know, especially the ones that have been really bad to the boss when he was in overalls. You know, there's one I was watching the other week, and uh, I don't watch telly all the time, Just I've just watched a couple of these recently. But it was on a cruise ship, did anybody see that one? And this rather malicious employee got the, got the undercover boss doing all of the filthiest jobs on the ship, and the look on her face <laughs> when she realized who she had misused and abused in that way. I love the unveiling. I love that. (laughs) I love the bit when you see the change of demeanor. The subservient slave. You can see them come up. The undercover boss, he's been the subservient person. I love it when he comes back and he recognizes and knows his true identity. I'm the boss. And I have this place of authority. It's like he puts on a suit. You know, like we have to put on Christ. Yeah? We need to stand on our true identity to be a born-again Christian. To the born-again Christian, the old life is the disguise that we no longer need to wear. We don't need to wear that anymore. I've got a new identity. So put that one off. Put this one on. Stand in your new identity. You're a new creation. The old's gone. Put on the new. Amen. I hope I've communicated that adequately to you. This position thing and the condition thing is so important. We need to get to grips with it. We need to understand our position in Christ as a place of incredible authority and freedom.